This is the Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Rebel Author Podcast, episode 11. Wow. I have to say, shit goes really fast when you're trying to get these puppies out weekly. Um, Yes, this is week number three consecutively, which I am very excited about. Um, I actually didn't intend to start this year going weekly immediately. It was just on my um, quarterly goals. But Now I've started, I am going to try and continue, I hope. Don't hold me to the fact they're going to be weekly yet. Um, But fingers crossed, this is the start of a weekly podcast, baby. Um, Now that said, I do have a question for you about um, the weekly podcast. One of the hardest things to do, or actually I should say, one of the things that takes the longest is the transcript. So I am asking you guys, how many of you actually read the transcript? It takes, I would say, probably an hour, maybe more to edit the transcription. I do use AI software, specifically otter.ai, which is otter like the animal. Um, and that is free if anybody else is interested. It, uh, I think you get like 450 minutes for free or something per month. So absolutely fine for a, a weekly podcast. Now, AI, as brilliant as they are and as helpful as they are, aren't perfect. So inevitably, each week I have to correct typos. I have to capitalise names. Um, I have to remove repetition, like me saying you, 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 uh, when I'm you know, thinking out loud. So that takes time. I don't make the transcripts perfect because as it is, it takes anywhere from about 40 minutes to about an hour and a half, depending on how many mistakes there are. So yeah, I would like to know how important the transcripts are to you guys. If they are important, obviously I'll need to continue them. Um, But if you're not that bothered, then I might remove them because it will help me um, do this weekly. So yeah, let me know. I am super excited to bring you this week's podcast with Zach Bohannon. I have to say, not that I'm getting emotional, because remember, I'm dead on the inside, but I am super, super proud of today's episode. Zach and I talk about money, which I know is a super taboo topic, especially if you're British. And hey, listen, I am British and I love everyone who's British, but we really do have a stiff upper lip. And, you know, we just don't talk about money and things like that. So that's why I'm so proud of this. Uh, This episode is to remove some of those barriers and talk about money in an open and honest way that will hopefully help other writers out there too. This is a topic that I'm extremely passionate about. I think there are a lot of myths and misnomers out there about indies and money and how you can go full time. And that's why I think this is such an important topic. So yeah, I hope you guys enjoy it. Please, please, please let me know if you enjoyed this topic because it might well become a book one day from me? I'm not sure. We'll see. We'll see. So today's question is, 
I want to know what one thing you're going to do better, uh, sorry, to better your financial situation after listening to this podcast. So don't decide now, wait until you've listened and I will repeat the question at the end, which I haven't done before, which is silly. So I'm gonna do that going forward. Um, Makes note to self. (laughs) Anyway, after listening to this podcast, what are you going to do to better your financial situation? For me, it's twofold. First of all, I'm trying to educate myself by reading as many financial wealth and financial planning and, you know, financial books as possible. Don't tell my wife. (laughs) She does really like the amount of books I buy. And I did say I wasn't buying any. Uh, But yes, I have brought several um, books recently. And um, yes, because I want to educate myself. Secondly, I'm going to start investing this year for my retirement. Whilst I was paying off debt, which you'll find out more about Uh, in the uh, interview, I actually stopped paying into a pension so that I could reduce my debt faster. And that is a tactic that some uh, financial advisors do advise. It's not for everyone. It's scary. It's daunting. But it is a method in order to reduce your debt faster. But now I'm out of debt and now I'm working for myself full time, it's even more important to look out for my future. Now is the time to invest. So that is my plan. Also, don't forget that the Rebel Author merchandise is now live. I'm working with IC Cedric to create some new designs, so hopefully those will come on stream shortly. But you can still get your Rebel Author mugs, t-shirts, journals, notebooks, jumpers, stickers, and all of that kind of stuff from uh, my Red Bubble store, and I will put the link in the show notes. In personal progress this week, I have another question for you. Does anyone else suffer from why the fuck won't this book die syndrome? I mean, wow, I I really am starting to believe that the karmic literary gods have forsaken me. Like, Trey wouldn't die, now the anatomy of prose won't fucking die. As I record this on Monday the 13th of January, the anatomy of prose is now 56,000 words. Most of my non-fiction books get to about 45,000 words, but this fucker just keeps growing. I swear to God, it's like a kid on steroids in a goddamn candy store. And like, at the moment, I can see it reaching 70,000 words without breaking much of a sweat. And I have promised myself that I will finish this book this month. Otherwise, I'm going to find it difficult to get it out uh, in the first quarter. And I really don't like failing goals. (laughs) So this book needs to get in line and, you know, finish. Just fucking finish. So yes, has anyone else suffered from this? You know, I just... Anyway, right. Shoutouts. Last week's question was what social media channel or form of marketing have you always wanted to use or master but not been able to because you've been too afraid or overwhelmed by it? Tom Fowler says probably Instagram. He's on there and fairly active, but building a following and engaging with bookstagrammers takes a lot of effort. And even then, most of them uh, only will only review and uh, connect with traditionally published books. I have to say that um, I agree with some of that because as a young adult author, I actually find that there it's, it's not that hard to build um, a following on there. Not that I have a huge one, but I have a following on there. But you do have to be really 
um, connected, really engaged and uh, like with reviewers and commenting and asking questions and doing stories, which obviously all takes time. Now, I don't think Bookstagram is the right... Uh, <laughs> Instagram, sorry, I'm so well trained here about young adult stuff. Um, I don't think Instagram is necessarily the right platform for everybody. It's not the right platform for every genre, but for young adult uh, authors specifically, it's a really, really good genre. Now, I've actually been asked uh, by a listener to uh, run a podcast on Instagram. So I will be pitching a couple of people uh, in the next few weeks. So hopefully that will come later on in the year if that is helpful. Matthew Goodall says he got frustrated with Pinterest as an author platform. He can see its potential, but it's a matter of what's achievable at this moment in time. Oh, and by the way, if you'd like to follow me on Instagram, my Instagram handle is at Sasha Black Author, which is Sasha with a C S A. S-A-C-H-A. Oh my God. How do I spell my name? Oh, clearly I need some coffee or something. Wait, no, I actually drank coffee today. So that's probably why I'm all over the place. Anyway, moving on. Pinterest. Matthew. Uh, yes, I've already re- read it out. Right. I was super lucky with Pinterest. It just, I'm a visual person, so I've always loved it. I happened to uh, go on Pinterest very early on when it had launched and I got featured on their like main page and woke up to about 1500 follows. (laughs) And each one of those follows was an email because I still had notifications enabled because I didn't think that was going to happen. those, those follows increased for quite a few uh, days and I have always found Pinterest easy as a result. However, it is a difficult one to um, get your head around if you are not visual. I can actually recommend uh, my friend's services, Susie Speaks, and our, she runs Pinterest. She's a social media manager and you can get her monthly services to grow your author platform if you would like that. I will put the links in the show notes. Last shout out then, Tango Jordan says he would like to master YouTube. He was going to do it with Sony Vegas. I'm not sure what that was, what that is, uh, but that was on my PC and I've switched to Mac. So I am going to have to learn iMovie. Uh, I was going to get another camera, but I might have to give the FaceTime camera a go now since Jenna said that's enough. Yeah, and you know, that is enough. Just get started. At the end of the day, it's better to produce something than nothing because you cannot grow a platform with no content, with no um, materials to share. So absolutely just fucking dive in and give it a go. Listener Rebel of the Week this week is Sam Ross. Sam says, I had a laptop purchased from a major US electronics store and as a clumsy and gremlin-prone guy, I purchased the enhanced warranty on it, which made the store responsible for repairing or failing that, replacing the laptop with one of equal cost. The laptop sucked and almost immediately started malfunctioning. So I would take it in every time it glitched in the hopes of a replacement. But alas, they kept fixing it and giving it back. So I began having a series of accidents. (laughs) with the laptop in the hopes of making it unrepairable. You know, 
dropped it from a counter, spilling soda all over the keyboard, leaving it out in the rain, that kind of thing. And the store kept repairing it. The laptop sucked, but apparently it was immortal, no matter what I did to it. I'd taken it in easily a dozen times by now, and the staff were getting to know me. It's possible they saw me, they saw me as a personal challenge. I bet they did. Eventually, I was fed up and the warranty was going to be expiring. So I set up my most elaborate accident to date. Fully charged battery and still plugged in. We dropped the laptop in... <laughs> Oh my god, I'm so bad at reading these because I just laugh every week, like halfway through them when we get to the crunch point. Anyway, um, he dropped it uh, in a children's pool that was full of salt water for extra conductivity and corrosion, and then proceeded to drop cinder blocks on it. When I turned in the thoroughly murdered device, I told them that a saltwater fish tank had tipped over on top of it. Oh my god, that's so that's like saying my dog ate my homework. The machine was finally dead and a replacement was in hand. Success! He still has its replacement today. Funnily enough though, the electronics store no longer offers an enhanced warranty on electro electronic items. I bet it bloody doesn't. <laughs> that is hilarious. I love, love, love that Rebel of the Week. Now, I, like I said a few weeks ago, I am very close to the end of the Rebel listeners that, um, Rebels, <laughs> I am very close to the end of, you know, these things that I read out each week. So if you would like this to continue, please, please, please do send me your little rebellions um, so that I can read them out. You can send them to rebelauthorpodcast at gmail.com or you can tweet me at rebelauthorpod. There are a few book recommendations in the podcast today, so I've decided not to add one of my own. Instead, I'm listing them all with their links in the show notes. I'll just briefly call them out now. Number one, The Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. Number two, The Barefoot Investor by Scott Pape. Number three, The Millionaire Next Door by William D. Danko and Thomas J. Stanley. Number... <laughs> <laughs> Last, Choose FI by Chris Mamula and Brad Barrett and Jonathan Mendoza. Mendoza? Yeah. There are no new patrons today, but a big thank you as always to all my current patrons who help to ensure that this podcast continues. And on that note, I'll be sending out the message box to everyone for this month's topic of the week. If you'd like to support the show and get access to all of the episodes early, as well as the bonus essays, posts and content, and this week you'll be getting a blooper reel, you can support the show by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. That's Sasha with a C and not an S. On with the show. Hello and welcome back to the Rebel Author Podcast. Today I am with Zach Bahannon. Zach writes science fiction and fantasy non-fiction books for authors 
and is the host of the Career Author Podcast, as well as the co-host and organizer of unique author events such as Authors on a Train and the Career Author Summit. Hello and welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, Sasha. How you doing? I am really good. And for anybody um, listening who hasn't uh, listened to the Career Author Podcast, I absolutely love it. And I highly recommend um, the podcast. So please do go and check it out. And I will make sure that all of the links are in the show notes. I've also voted on your um, your, your event. Oh, the poll we did. Yeah. <laughs> I can guess where you probably voted. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no. I bet you can't. Yeah. Um, so I will edit that out. But anyway. Um, um, welcome and thank you for joining me today. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And thank you for the kind words about the podcast. Oh, no, I speak only the truth. Everybody knows that brutal truth and honesty from me. So um, <laughs> can you tell listeners a little bit more about you and your journey and how you got into full-time writing? Yeah, so I've been, uh, been full-time since uh, 2017. Um, I published my first novel in right at the beginning of 2015. Um, of course, as I know a lot of people listening and other authors, you know, like it's, I've always written blah, 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 all that stuff. Um, I actually spent, uh, I spent the majority of my twenties trying to be a rock musician. So I played drums and heavy metal bands and, uh, I wrote, I wrote lyrics in one of those bands. And <clears throat> so I always, uh, and I always wanted to write. And of course, you know, had tried starting novels and never finished anything and finally just kind of decided to do it. And, uh, you know, my first novel did really well and, uh, you know, just, I just kept publishing and, and it led to me to the opportunity to go full time in 2017 after a nudge from Joanna Penn telling me, uh, <laughs> it was, it was time. So, um, and just to tell everybody a little bit more about some of the events because they are amazing and I am so jealous of everybody going to the one in New Orleans <laughs> over Halloween but just just tell everybody about the the events that you run yeah so uh of course I, I do the podcast with Jay Thorne you may hear his name come up several times through this because we do the podcast together we also write we've written over a dozen fiction books together we run a publishing company together and we do these events together as well um, and so we do, we have two different, we have really two or three different types of events we do. So of course we do the bigger conferences. So we have the career author summit. Uh, some people may have heard it as the somewhere books just summit previously, but it was rebranded for this next year to the career author summit. Um, we've done two of those in Chicago so far, and we have it in Nashville in May of 2020. It's sold out. So, um, <laughs> no one's gonna be able to get tickets, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, so we have that, which is like a, a larger conference. When I say larger, it's around, we sell, I think around 120 tickets, 115, 120 tickets. Um, and like the biggest piece of feedback we've gotten is not to get bigger than that. And we really like that size. So we plan on keeping around that. We don't plan on um, going a bigger and, and luckily, you know, the, our motivation for doing that uh, is, is not necessarily money, which we're going to talk about a lot. So uh, today, so it's, it's, you know, we don't really have to get, we can keep to people's wishes with that. Um, we also do these really unique world building events. Um, and those are pretty neat because uh, they're one, they're literally one of a kind. So uh, you mentioned one, you're, the one you mentioned is actually the only one we still have tickets available for in 2020. Uh, and that is Vampires of New Orleans. So we're going to go to New Orleans. 
<laughs> so we're so we're going to New Orleans um, Halloween weekend of 2020. Uh, Halloween is on a Saturday. We're gonna have our event Thursday and Friday, and then we're gonna spend the like people if they want to spend the weekend in New Orleans, which you should if you're going down there because that's the best time to be there. Uh, but th that's one of our world building events. So basically, we get 15 authors in a room with us. And there, it is kind of a workshop too, like Jay and I do some teaching, but what the bulk of it is, is we go, okay, we're going we're gonna to sit together and everyone's going to sit in this room and we build a world out together. Um, so in that instance, we're going to like kind of come up with a vampire world timeline, come up with rules for our vampires, all type of stuff. And then everyone uh, will, will go away after the event and write stories that are written in that world. And then we publish the anthology with all the stories. Uh, when it's over and we donate all the proceeds to charity and stuff so it's it's really cool um we've also done night of the writing dead which was in, which is in pittsburgh in celebration of 50 the 50th anniversary of night of the writing living dead um we've done rock apoc which was an apocalyptic world building event we did like at the rock and roll hall of fame in cleveland which was awesome uh we also did sci-fi seattle uh, which was we did a side we built the space opera world together in, in Seattle that was just a few weeks ago or last month um, and uh, yeah so the, the, the cool thing about those events is they're unique as we like to tell people uh, you know uh, people I'm not trying to tempt you I promise but people will I am say tempted. to us oh, I'll, I'll, but, but people will say to us oh I'll just come next year and we're like there's not going to be a next year for that particular event. So like, we're only going to, we can only celebrate Nigh the living dead once and do the zombie event. So um, yeah, so those events are unique. And then um, the other one and kind of the one that Jay and I are probably most known for is authors on a train. And uh, if anyone is, I'm sure most of you listen to Joanna Penn's podcast. Um, so you probably heard about them there a couple of years ago when uh, me and Jay and her and Lindsay Broker all took the train from Chicago to New Orleans and we wrote a book together in a week. Um, and Jay and I turned that into an event where we take authors with us. And so we've done a couple of those. We've done that same trip from Chicago to New Orleans. And uh, this January, we're going to be going from LA to San Francisco on the train and uh, rent a mansion up in that area. And we're all staying together and going to collaborate on some stories. So um, yeah, that's a fun one. That's kind of the one we're probably known for the most. So uh Amazing. Yeah, so that's kind of, I guess, in a nutshell, some of, some of the events we do, so. I think they're so cool and completely unique as well. You don't, you hear a lot of conferences and, you know, one day events and stuff, but you don't hear of these more unique niche um, type events, especially in places like New Orleans, which is so full of inspiration anyway for authors, so. Yeah, or like, you know, when we did the Rock Apoc one, we're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the VIP room and stuff, and it was, I don't know, it was really, it was really neat, so, and uh, those events are fun, like I said, it's just, we're with 15 authors, and we're just world building, and, and it's, it's awesome, and people come up with story pitches and pitch their stories and stuff and everyone's given fee. It's just awesome. Like the collaborative effort that goes into those events. So Fabulous. I hope I can one day make them. And if you ever venture this side of the world, I will definitely be making one. Um, okay. So onto the topic of our discussion, which is money. While it's not always the case for every author I know, I think most indie authors want to write full-time. I think that's probably why they choose to go indie rather than being um, traditional. And I think a huge part of that is around financial freedom and earning enough money. And yet 
I, I find that money is still a really taboo topic in the indie world. I, I would love to get rid of that taboo. Um, and that was why I approached you um, in the first place for this podcast. So what do you think are the key steps an author would need to take um, financially in order to quit their job? Uh, well, the first thing I'll say is just put a disclaimer that I am not a financial expert. So um, it's this is just a topic that I, both of us are really passionate about. And um, like you said, we, you know, there's a lot of taboos around money, especially in, in our circles and stuff. And it's just something that really interests me and something that like you, I'm trying to kind of get rid of and I'm really passionate about. Mm. So, uh, but that being said, I'm not a financial expert. So, <laughs> and talk, to an, so talk to an accountant or a financial expert before, you know, don't, don't yeah. just take our advice necessarily. No, um, no suing allowed. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the, the big thing for me is I think that you really have to ask yourself, like how bad do you really want to do this? And what does, what does being a full-time writer look like for you? And what, what kind of life is that going to allow you to live? And the reason I say that is because one of the things that I see in the, the author community that, and honestly, it really kind of drives me a little nuts is that is the idea of always talking about success in terms of royalties and money. And that drives me crazy obviously we need money to live. Money is an ends to a means. Like we need to be making money to make this happen. You, if you're not earning, then it's going to be hard for you to be full time and to do this. But like, I, I just, you know, and I'm, I'm not on social media anymore. And this is a big reason why, honestly. Um, but when I was uh, spending a lot of time in author groups and stuff, you would see people brag about, Oh, I made this much money this month. And everyone's like, Oh, I, I really wish I could do that. And blah. And, and my question is always like, Oh, why do you need to make that much? Like, mm. um, and, and we don't know the stories that those authors have. It may look like they're making bukus of money, but they could be in a ton of debt or something like that. Like we or don't, be, or they or could, be spending it all on advertising. Uh, or absolutely. You're exactly right. They could be spending all on advertising. There's a lot of different things to look at, you know, and some authors will share that. Like some authors will say, well, this is how much money I actually am making. Uh, this is like my take home. But, um, but like, I don't know for me, it's, like obviously money is important, but that my big motivation for being able to do this is not to have money to be able to buy more things or to be able to do this or that. It's to be able to do this, to be able to make my own schedule, to be free. Um, you know, for instance, this Friday, um, th this Friday, uh, my, my daughter is getting an award at her school and it's like a secret that she doesn't even know about. And I'm going to be able to be there. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's all, and, and like, I, and I don't have to ask anybody. I don't have to take off from like, I can just go. I, I'm just like, okay, cool. That's easy for me to go. To me, that's success. Mm -hmm. That is more, that's how I define success more than I define, um, how, how much money I'm making. Um, or, or, you know, that's, that's, that's not how I define success. Um, I define success by the fact that my daughter, when she was in her daycare had a, um, there was a, there was a thing called donuts with dad one morning and I got to go and I was one of only four dads there in a 15 kid class and kids were crying because their dads weren't there. And like, I understand because they have other jobs and it's probably hard for them to ask off for something, but like that's the type of stuff I don't have to miss. So to me, that's being successful. Um, so to go back to your original question, um, you know, to me is like really think about, you know, if you really want this, 
like the first, uh, I get asked all the time, I get asked, uh, you know, how do you make enough money to go full time? And to me, that's kind of the wrong question because it's not, I, I'll be really honest. Like I'm not rolling in the dough on royalties, you know? And, and so, and, and so, um, you know, and I'm, I'm definitely not primarily making my income off fiction. These events and stuff definitely help. Um, even though some of these events don't necessarily, you know, pull a lot of money in, but I've built my life to where I just don't need a lot of money. I think that's the real key is that, um, you know, uh, that I, I, you know, I don't have a debt, you know, that's the bit, don't have a ton of debt. That's the big thing other than a mortgage. I mean, you know, my wife and I worked really hard to get out of debt. Um, I think that's the biggest thing anyone can do before gym full time, because the less bills you have to pay and less money going out, the less money you need coming in. Um, and that, that's kind of controversial for a lot of people to hear, but you know, I don't put my business stuff on credit cards or anything like that. You know, it's just, it's just not the way that I, I want to live. And so to me, that's the biggest thing. And then just also, um, I'm, you know, I kind of live a minimalist lifestyle. I don't really need a lot of stuff. So, um, to, to me, those like, I, cause I would rather be doing this, <laughs> you know, I would rather be, uh, making my own schedule, not be, not having to miss things with my kid and being able to like live the life I want this way, you know, with my schedule, than like have a bunch of stuff or have a bunch of payments on things or be paying the bank. So, um, to me, I think that's really because the, the quickest sell, the quickest way to give yourself a raise is to spend less money. <laughs> so, and, and I think the less you have going, especially to creditors and stuff like that, the better off you're going to be. And I know it's not the answer a lot of people want to hear, but it's just something I really feel strongly in. And I, I know from talking to you before that I think you have similar beliefs there. So. Oh, a hundred percent. I'm like, I'm nodding furiously back here because I'm like, oh, all of the points. I just agree with all <laughs> of them. Um, I think you know, when I was in full-time employment, I was constantly stressed because I had to leave at certain times to pick up my son. And, and, and if I didn't, and then that, you know, what if I was late and blah, blah, blah. And, and yeah, what if I had stressful. to ask my mom, it is so stressful. And yeah. now I'm just like, yeah, I need to go now. So I'm, I'm going to go now. And it's completely, you know, I'm completely free, but I think there's a couple of points there. Um, that I wanted to come back on. And the first one is um, something that I heard recently, and I, I think it was in a Rich Dad, Poor Dad uh, audio book, but um, one person's asset is another person's liability. So where you were talking about reducing debt, any debt that you have, uh, you know, is some is the bank essentially it's their asset it your debt is making them money so and that's how they make their money yeah exactly exactly um and the other point which um was such an epiphany for me when it happened a few years ago um is that if you have paid off all of your debt and let's say you're spending 500 quid a month or 500 dollars or whatever a month on paying back debt you just don't need that money which means yeah. the bar for which you have to earn in order to survive is that much lower absolutely now, you know, yeah. nobody's saying that you're going to earn that forever. Nobody wants to just earn the, you know, what you have to earn to pay no, your bills. Absolutely not. Yeah. But if you want to get out, that's the way to get out, you know? So I just, I, you know, it was such a, I, I just, I spent years not recognizing that. So yeah, I just think that's a, a and, huge. And, and I think, I think for me too, is if, you know, if I had a book take off tomorrow and got a movie deal and all this stuff and I got a big, you know, whatever, like, you know, was just started making way more than I am now, nothing really changed for me. <laughs> like, I mean, uh, I'd pay my house off, 
and uh, you know, you know, my wife and I might travel a little more than we do now. But other than that, I mean, I just, I, I, nothing really would change, <laughs> you know. I mean, so, and I think that's, that's, that's really, really important too. So. Yeah, exactly. You, you, you are my friend. Um, I'm going to name drop her because she'll, she'll appreciate this. But Susie always says to me, um, she wanted to create a life she didn't want to take a vacation from. I think that's how you say it. Something yeah, along those lines. Yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'll tell you too, um, going back to something else that you said was, you know, talking about the banks, you know, one of the biggest thing I'll hear from, from, uh, I have one friend specifically who, uh, is, you know, he's, he's really into credit cards, but he, you know, he pays off the balance every month, which is a dangerous game to play. Like a lot of people will say, yeah, I mean, cause what, you know, if, if you miss a month or miss two months or, you know, then all of a sudden you've got this interest, but you know, he does it for the points. And my question is always like, well, and, and I think Dave Ram, Dave Ramsey says this, he's who, who you're probably gonna hear me mention a lot, but do you know any millionaires who became that way based off credit card points? <laughs> like that's just a marketing ploy from, from the creditors because they want you to use their credit card in hopes that you're not going to pay it off. Yeah. And I guarantee you that the cash back you're getting, if, if you do start missing payments is going to be way less than the interest you're going to pay. Oh Yeah. Oh yeah, it is. Um, that is one of the, there are various books that I have read on this topic and all of them without exception, cash rich is the only way forward essentially. And, and the ones that go the other way, um, I won't mention it, but there's a pretty popular finance book out there right now. Uh, that's, that's kind of making the rounds and Jay actually loves it. Um, and it's one thing we disagree on, but the book starts off talking about how to take advantage of your credit cards. I put the book down immediately. I was like, mm. I, I just don't, I mean, I went a little bit further, but I just so disagreed with it. I was just like, ah, this is, it was, it was like, don't budget. And, uh, and then was talking about credit cards and take advantage. I'm like, okay, this is, it's just not for me. And I just, you know, I have a plan that's worked for me. I'm just going to stick with that. So. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I, I probably would have put that down as well. Budgeting is the way that I got to uh, leave my job and pay off all the, all the yeah. student debt and all of that stuff. So yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm shell shocked. How can there be a finance book that says that? Anyway, sorry. No. Um, okay. When I was employed. I was at risk of redundancy on a number of occasions. Um, being a business owner now obviously carries inherent risk, but what can an indie author do with their business to safeguard themselves from financial jeopardy? It's a really, really good question. And uh, I think one thing to recognize is, and this is going to be tough for people to hear who just want to write, is... Um, there are very few and far between it's very, there are very few authors out there who are just making money off their fiction. Um, I'm assuming, you know, this is for, for fiction authors because nonfiction is obviously a different thing because usually there's other things that go into that. But so uh, I, I think one of the biggest things you can do is, you know, have multiple revenue streams. And what, what I'm, I, and when I say multiple revenue streams, I'm not necessarily like one of the things that immediately comes to people's mind is they think, Oh, well, uh, okay, well, should I be in KU or should I have my books wide? And that's not what I'm talking about. That's obviously one decision you have to make, but that's not the type of diversification of income I'm talking about. I'm talking about, you know, what other skills do you have that you can use uh, to create this life for yourself where you will also, you know, you're going to be writing and you can make that your primary thing, but you might have to do some other things to make money, like do some other type of freelance work. 
Um, and, and this is one thing that Joanna, uh, you know, she'll send me and Jay a message every now and then her and Jay have regular means. And she's always asking, you know, how you, are you still diversifying income or you do you have other revenue streams? Um, and, and, and she puts a lot of emphasis on that. And I totally agree. Now, you know, hopefully one day it comes to a point where you can get to that point where you can just make money. And, and maybe you can, because maybe you have, uh, everyone's situation is going to be different. So maybe, maybe you're in a position where uh, your, your partner is making enough money to really support you and you don't have to do that. So it, it's going to be a little different for other, for, for different people. Um, but I think that's a big thing is, is, is to think about other ways you can, you know, have other revenue streams. You know, we, I mentioned we're doing these events. Um, and I said earlier in the, you know, our main motivation is not money, but that is a motivation. That is a re it is another revenue stream for us. Um, and, uh, and you know, Jay, he does a lot of coaching. I do a little bit of that, but not very much Jay, but Jay does quite a bit. Of, he does some editing and stuff too. Um, but you know, we, we have multiple revenue streams. We're not just dependent on our book royalties. And so I think thinking of a skill you can take to use, and it, it, maybe it's related to authors. Maybe it's not, maybe it's some, maybe you're really good at crafts and you can like have an Etsy shop that you're doing stuff with, but at least that's going to get, if you were in a, a job, if you're stuck in a cubicle and you're trying to get out of that and you want to be able to create your own schedule and have more time to write and more thing, more time to do the essential things that you really want to do. I think that's something you really have to think about. Yeah. And I would add to that to think about, um, so I always talk about money in, in terms of two types of money. There's active money and passive money and active passive money is the obvious one for authors. It's earning money whilst you sleep. It's creating a product that you can sell over and over again, that will bring you money in your sleep. You earn passively from it. It, it, it basically, um, and then active money is anything that requires you to trade your time uh, in, in order to get paid. So for example, being a consultant, perhaps you leave your job, but you go back and you consult one day a week, or you, um, you teach, or you, 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 know, you do editing, for example, um, you mentioned editing there, that would be um, an active type of income. And I think when you first, certainly for me anyway, I found having left my job, I'm so afraid of like, you know, not being able to pay my bills that I over egged the, the, the active income and, and have probably traded a bit too much of my time. Um, and, but it's about that balance and understanding it. But that is something that I would say to anybody um, planning on being self-employed is to think about the balance and and actually make sure you do have a bit of both because obviously active income is short sharp cash injections whereas passive income you have to build and it is um slightly slower do you have any tips or tricks for budgeting how do you go from loads of debt to actually being able to quit well, I think the first thing is you need to do it. <laughs> um, I, I think, you know, a lot of people, it's something they just kind of ignore like a toothache and pretend like it's going to go away or it's going to fix itself. And I think that um, I'm, I'm not saying that you need to necessarily sit down and, you know, be looking at your money every single day and have like, you know, update spreadsheets every day. But I think you need to have an idea of where your money's going because it can really, really surprise you. Um, you know, you'll hear the analogy and I know some people are tired of hearing this, but uh, you know, you'll, you'll hear a lot of financial people say, you know, oh, you can't be drinking lattes every day. And, uh, you know, like when you really add up how much that cost and you throw on top of that, that you might not just be having a latte or a coffee every day, but maybe you're also going to lunch and spending 10 bucks at lunch. And when you add that up, 
like that, that's what happened to me when I started adding that stuff up. I was like, holy crap, I'm spending this much money just going out to eat for one meal a day. And then also like gain a coffee in the morning. And it really woke me up and made me realize, okay, maybe I don't need, maybe I can cut back on this. And, but once you, the, here's the thing, the numbers don't lie. So, but you need to know what those numbers are and you need to know exactly where your money's going. And, um, you know, as far as getting out of debt, I think that, um, I, I'm, as I mentioned, I'm really, I really like Dave Ramsey and, uh, I, you know, he's, uh, kind of, you know, big anti-debt guy and he's local to me as well. He's here in Nashville, Tennessee and stuff, but, uh, you know, he's got a national radio show here in the U S and stuff as well. And, uh, his book, the total money makeover to me, that's the one book I recommend to everybody. Um, but, uh, he's got a really good plan, um, called the snowball effect. Uh, and it, he's got different baby steps, but basically just to kind of give a few, like the first thing is you save a th- $1,000 emergency fund. Um, so that's the first thing you do. And again, like it may, it may sound daunting to some people, how am I supposed to save a thousand dollars? But again, if you go back and you start, you start looking at where you can cut, it'll come way faster than you think it will. So you do that. And then if you have debt, you, you, you look at all your debts, you write them all down and you start knocking them out, except for your mortgage. Mortgage comes later. You don't worry about that one, but all your other debts, credit cards, car payments, student loans, all that, you start knocking out from the smallest to the largest. So doesn't, and I'm talking about smallest, like amount that you owe. So don't worry about the interest rate, all that stuff. You just pay minimum payments on everything else, but you really start throwing as everything extra you can towards the smaller amounts. And the reason you do that is because you're, it's a mental thing. So once you start knocking out those smaller debts, you're going to, it's going to motivate you. You know, if you try to tackle your $40,000 student loan first, it, you're probably going to really, and it, you're probably really going to just want to give up after a while. So, but if you can get these small victories, it's just like writing a book, you know, you get through a chapter and a chapter, you know, and then once you finish one book, it's like, Oh my God, I'm ready to do another one. You know? Um, so that's kind of his plan. You do that. And you're also another thing, and some people don't agree with this, but you're not contributing towards retirement when you're doing that either. So you, you put off your retirement, that comes later, um, which I know a lot of people won't agree with. But the fact of the matter is you're looking at getting like a 12% long-term return on your retirement. And that doesn't really help if you're paying 21% interest on a credit card right now. So um, you know, get that, you can, you can say, you'll have all this money to save later if you don't have these debts. It's like you said, if it's not there, you can put your money other places. So, uh, but basically you just knock them out, small ones. And then, uh, once you get past that, you, uh, start paying on your house and you start paying, I I believe it's like 20, he recommends either 15 or 20%, I think 20% towards retirement at that point. And and he recommends mutual funds, which I, that's what I invest in. So um, yeah, that, that's, that's pretty much, but his book, the total money makeover uh, really kind of lines all that. It's, it's, it helped me and my wife get out of debt really fast. I mean, we got out of, we were lucky not to have student loans, um, but we got out of like, I think, probably around $20,000 worth of debt in a really short amount of time. I mean, I think it was maybe under a year. I mean, it was pretty fast by using wow. method. It may have been a little longer than that. I don't know. It was several years ago now, but, uh, but we, we got out pretty fast because like once you really see where your money's going and you really think about this stuff, um, you know, and, and, and one thing he says I love is live like no one else so that tomorrow you can live like no one else. So you might have to give up those lattes for a while. 
Like, and I think temporary deprivation is okay. But like later on, that stuff's not going to matter because you're not going to have all this other, you're not going to have this debt and stress to worry about. And you can, you know, you'll have more to do with your money, the stuff you want to do. So. Yeah, I totally agree. Even on the days where freelancing and and being self-employed is difficult, I would never, ever change it in a million years. And if, you know, a a couple of years of deprivation is what it took to get me here, well, I would do that every day of the week. And and, and I think once you really get into, really get on a plan like that and you really get into it, like you'll be surprised where money will start coming from. You know, you're probably going to want to sell things you might be, you might start Ubering on the weekend. You might go deliver pizza. I mean, maybe pick up more freelance gigs. Like you're going to really want to get this debt and stuff paid off as fast as you can. And, um, uh, and, and, and like I said, it really set me up to be at a point where, uh, where it was really, when it came time, I stayed at my job longer than I should have, honestly. And, uh, and, and when I finally quit, like it was, we were in good shape. So. Yeah. Amazing. Um, I'm going to ask the same question, uh, but this time in terms of business. So I know it's hard. Um, well, I found it hard, certainly at the beginning, to know where to spend money in my in in my business. I definitely got carried away with the latest thing, and some of them were useful, like vellum. Um, but you know, you can end up hemorrhaging money, um, be it on ads or, or or software or gadgets or whatever. So, um, any budgeting tips or tricks to know what's a good spend of money on your business and what's a bad spend of money? Uh, I mean, that's I think that's going to depend from person to person. I know for me, I keep my business really lean. Um, and I came from a job where I was able to learn from somebody who uh, was very frugal, I would say. Um, he is, if, and this is another good book recommendation. If anyone has read The Millionaire Next Door, um, that was my old boss, Mitch. He was like the epitome of that. He's a millionaire, but he buys all his clothes at Goodwill. He buys used vehicles with cash. Like he's the epitome of that person. But he taught me a lot about just running a really lean business and not spending money where you didn't need to. And to some people, it sounds a little extreme, but when you really sit back and think about it and it's your money now going out, then you really are like, okay. So to me, um, I think first off, it's important to realize like we are running a business. If you're right, if you're wanting to be an author, I don't care if you're independent or if you're traditionally published. Uh, I mean, I've, I've, I've seen a friend's traditionally published marketing plan lately and I'm like, oh, well, they're still going to be paying for a lot of their own. Why are you doing a lot of their own stuff? Uh, and this was, you know, traditionally published big five house, obviously. Um, you know, it's, you're, you're running a business. It's, it's going to, it's going to cost some money. You're going to, you're going to have to have a marketing budget and there's going to be some things you have to pay for. What, kind of bums me out is when I see people complain about stuff costing too much. And I think about, you know, lucky we are that we don't have that much overhead. I mean, I, one of my best friends started a coffee roasting business recently. And before he could even sell a coffee bean, he had to put $25,000 into it because he had to build a place. He had to get a roaster. I mean, there's a lot of, he had to get a website built for online ordering. I mean, there was a lot of stuff he had to do. Um, this is actually my same friend I have the credit card points debate with. Funny. Um, <laughs> hi, David. I know you'll never listen to this. Yeah. But, um, he's not an author. He's not going to care. Um, but uh, but I, I think just, you know, it's really easy to get distracted, as you're saying, by like the newest gadget. Or uh, I've seen people stress about like, oh, well, like what writing software should I use? Should I get this or that? And I think that there's 
to me, there's very, I mean, it doesn't matter what you write in. Uh, yes, Scrivener's great. I think Scrivener's probably the best thing, but in Scrivener's only 40 bucks. So like, don't beat yourself up over Scrivener. But other than that, you know, you're going to need a mailing list. There's, you can, you're going to have to pay for that at some point, you know, MailChimp, I know you can start for free, but at some point you're going to have to pay. You're going to need some kind of advertising budget, um, especially as you get more books. I'm, it's funny, we just recorded an episode about that advertising uh, through, with Career Author and Jay and I are in a really weird place with that because I don't know, like I think unless you have a long series, like spending too much money on advertising doesn't really, is kind of hard, but it's also a thing, it's also a thing where it's kind of necessary. So I'm in a weird place with that, but, um, and then always my two non-negotiables for sure is always pay for a good editor and always pay for a good cover designer, unless you are a cover designer, mm -hmm. uh, not Photoshop, not, I know how to do Photoshop, but you actually can design covers. I, and I know very few authors who are good cover designers who can make their own covers. You should pay someone who can do it well and do it in your genre that, and as I said, pay, pay a freelancer to edit your book. Um, and uh, at, at least do line edits and stuff. I think those are two non-negotiables. And again, it's not that much money. And like, especially for the business we're running, it's very, very, very low overhead. So when I see people complain about that, I'm just like, go, go try to start coffee roasting business <laughs> <laughs> or a yeah. restaurant or something like yeah. that, where you're going to spend thousands of dollars before you can even make a penny. Yeah. So it's very, very low. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think um, it's a, it's a mindset shift. I think, you know, yes, when you are writing a series, you are probably going to have to sink a few thousand pounds on covers and yeah. edits, you know, in that series. But the whole point is you will make that money back millions of times over, over the course of the years, because you're creating something that can pay you back forever or for your whole lifetime plus 50 or 70 years depending on whatever country you're in you know so um it is a bit of a mindset shift and i think um the same can be said around the advertising um i also i'm not advertising my current fiction because i'm waiting until i finish this third book because what's the point that you know you can't most most people obviously will reduce the first one and then you'll get the sale through. But the, the, with the advertising, you, I think it's the same mindset shift in that if you, if you have got the data to say, you know, you're spending $10 and you're making a hundred dollars, then why would you not want to spend a hundred dollars to make a thousand dollars? Um, but that, that mindset shift to, to spend that money um, is very difficult. I think a lot of people are afraid. I think there's a lot of fear around, around that, but yeah. I, and, and, and I think that there are, I mean, you, you should be investing in yourself too. Like I think it's important to, uh, you know, buy courses, you know, mm. buy books, obviously like educate yourself on craft, stuff like that. Go to events, go to off, go to conferences. I mean, you should be investing in yourself as well, but, I, but you know, try not to get too caught up with, you know, the latest gadget or, or, or whatever. I mean, I wrote a lot of my first books, like on a 10 year old laptop scene in the back of my car on my lunch break. Mm -hmm. So like, it wasn't, you know, I think on, on like Scrivener or sometimes even on like Google drive, which is free. So, I mean, really like you shouldn't have to invest, like don't try not to get too caught up in all that face stuff. Cause in a lot of times, honestly, that's resistance. And I'm talking about like resistance with a capital R, like Stephen Pressfield talks about. Yeah. Like you're just, 
you know, just write. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, exactly. I used to write down the corridor on my phone, waiting for meetings or people to come yes. into meetings. You know, yes. I, like oh, literally. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of wish I, I still have. I don't quite know what's happened to it. That I definitely have some resistance issues now. But um, yeah, I think you know that is it. You, you write anywhere, anytime, any place. You know, uh, no excuses. Um, okay, so I think you've probably answered this question, but I'll just ask it in case there's anything else you can yeah. think of. But key books or resources you would recommend? I know you've mentioned a couple. Yeah, those are my two favorites. Um, <clears throat> as I mentioned, the Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey, uh, and then uh, uh, the. I, now I just forgot. It's uh, Millionaire the Millionaire Next Door. Next Door. Yeah. yeah, is is the other big one. Um, I can't remember the author on that one, but those are those are the my two by far like favorite financial books and the two that I'd recommend the most. Um, and Dave Ramsey has a uh, Dave Ramsey also has a podcast and he has a national radio show, but they do a podcast version of it, so people can go listen to that and hearing. So he'll have people call in and talk about how they got out of debt and how fast. And it is amazing when you hear some of the stories and it's like super inspiring and encouraging when you hear how much debt people got through with some of the, with the income they have. Like if you're sitting at home saying, I'm not sure I could do this, like you'd be really surprised by some of the stuff people can do. If you just, you know, sit down and put your mind to it and focus on it. But those going back, those are my, those are the two big books I personally would recommend. So. Yeah. I will add um, another one because why not? Yeah. <laughs> but I um, I read The Barefoot Investor, which um, I really liked. And he has a very similar ethos to Dave Ramsey. Um, some of the things you were saying about saving the thousand pounds and doing the domino, um, all in there as well. Um, yeah, so I think it's Scott Pope or Pape and it's The Barefoot Investor. But what I will do, I've just written them down. So if you heard scribbles on my mic, it's because I was <laughs> noting them down because I'll uh, make sure they're in the show notes. Um, okay. So I have a question from, um, Patrick, who is a patron and he says, most authors I know, uh, seem content with building a publishing business, which is a great way, um, to create passive income. But what are your thoughts on diversifying one's asset portfolio by using a publishing company as a springboard into unrelated sectors, such as property investment and the stock market? market i know you kind of alluded to this a bit earlier so yeah what are your thoughts well if you as i've said if you don't have debt other than a mortgage like if you have a mortgage that doesn't count but if you don't really have debt then uh, you absolutely should be investing in the stock market and thinking about your future um again like 15 to 20 percent or whatever you have coming back you should definitely be investing um and property investment i think is a really good uh i mean that's really i i know a couple authors who actually do that um, who, who have, you know, done pretty well. And that's one, uh, they, and even now I'm talking about like authors who have like seven figures and that's one way they've diversified their income. Obviously that's riskier and, and, and gonna be, there's a lot more money there, but, uh, and you kind of know what you're doing, but I think that that's, that's a really good investment. Um, and then, yeah, so I, I think that, I think those are, I think if you're in the right financial position, um, and you know, you're not, uh, you don't have a bunch of debt over your head. So I think that's real. I think those are both really good things. And again, if you kind of know what you're doing, so yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just, uh, reading, uh, what's it called? Rich Dad, Poor Dad's Guide to Investing. No, reading, I'm listening. I'm listening to the audiobook um, for, because I am just about, you know, now starting to be interested in that area as well. Yeah. 
Um, and it's interesting actually, because this is a conversation I'm having uh, with several authors at the moment who are all starting to think about actually, you know, how else can they earn money passively? Um, yeah, I think this is, I think this is going to become a trend in, with indies. Anyway, um, right. This is the Rebel Author Podcast. So tell me about a time you unleashed your inner rebel. <laughs> Um, I know it's cliche, but I, I guess it's probably when I quit my job. That's like the best thing I could probably think of. Uh, as I said earlier, I waited way too long. I should have left way sooner. Again, we were in a really good financial situation. Um, you know, my wife's a massage therapist and therapist. And, uh, you know, so she's got a job she loves, um, you know, only having to work four days a week, which is awesome. So, um, really, really rad. But, uh, yeah, that, that was probably it. I mean, um, and I've told this story in another podcast about how, you know, I mean, I, I know, I, I know the moment that I wanted to leave. Um, and, uh, it was, I'll keep the story short, but basically my boss after something, I, I would go into my work and I would write, um, I, I was a warehouse manager for an, or operations manager for a big music instrument distributor, like worldwide and for the North American facility. And, I had like 15 employees I managed and stuff, but uh, I would get in the office really early every day and I'd beat all the bad traffic here in Nashville and I'd get there early and I'd work on my writing business in the building. I had a key and stuff. It was no big deal. And, uh, and, and I would get there really, and I would still like get to my desk like 15, even, sometimes even 30 minutes early and start working. Um, and, and one, one night, the cleaners who worked at our place stole our, the president of our company's laptop. And the next day my boss came to me and was like, yeah, we're not going to be able to let you come in the building anymore. And they weren't accusing me of doing it by any, or like doing anything, by, but it was more just like for your safety. To, and I totally understood. I was like, that's cool. I understand kind of sucks. And it kind of bummed me. It kind of pissed me off because there were other people that got to come to the building, like on the weekends and work, which was like, what's the difference. But anyways, um, but the part of that conversation that I didn't like and this is where I, I put everything together later when I was like, oh, well, they're letting this guy come in on the weekends and work when no one's here and do stuff. Um, was he said, he said to me, well, you know, honestly, like, I really don't think you should be riding in the morning before you come to work. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, so the, and this was my direct boss, not the president of our company, but, and, and, and just to be clear, like I have a, I have a good relationship with this person, no ill will. And he wasn't a creative. So he didn't, he didn't understand that by telling me that and by suggesting that, that cause his whole thing was like, I'm not sure if you're like really focused when you come in. It's like, no dude, it's the opposite. If I don't do this before I come, it's all I'm going to think about. And all I'm going to be thinking about is when I get to my lunch and when I get home from work and I can actually work on this, but I was able to come in like knowing, Oh, I've already written like 2000 words this morning or whatever. I feel good. I can focus on my work now. That was the moment I knew, okay, I'm done. And uh, I stopped, I, I started getting to my desk right when I was supposed to, because I had to start going to a coffee shop and work sometimes right in my car. Um, and, uh, but I knew then, but I, it, it was about probably, I think it was less, maybe a year after that. And uh, when we were on the authors on a train trip and on that last night um, we were all kind of drinking and Joanna had a few drinks in her and she looked at me and she said, uh, can I cuss on your podcast by the way? I forgot. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, so jo Joanna will love this because Joanna hates dropping the f bomb and stuff. But I'm gonna call her out. And she looked at me and she said, "You're fucking scared." And uh, and 
she's really like Joanna is the sweetest person ever, but she's kind of intimidating in person when you meet her. <laughs> and I was like, Oh wow. Okay. And, uh, cause the whole week she, you know, I'd obviously be able to talk to her about my situation and, you know, leaving my job and healthcare was a big deal because my wife doesn't get healthcare through her job. So I, and I knew I was, so we were, that's a whole other thing in the United States that we have to deal with. Um, and, uh, and anyways, Joanna was like, you're scared. You just need to go home and quit your job. And I was like, okay. So I came home and I told <laughs> Catherine, I was like, I think I'm going to quit my job. And she just goes, finally, <laughs> that was my wife's reaction. She was like, finally. And uh, so it took a, a slightly drunk, uh, angry British woman to tell me <laughs> off. To get me yeah, I, I, I walked in to once I got back to work, my boss is actually on vacation. When he came back, I had a letter ready. And I was like, I'm done. And three weeks later, I was gone. So I, I say, I'll just, I guess that was probably my most rebellious moment for sure. So but uh, that's yeah. so funny. You, if Joanna Penn tells you to do something, you absolutely should do whatever it is mm-hmm. that Joanna tells you. It's funny because I spoke to her just before I quit and it kind of, uh, you know, she was like, you, you should, you should quit. So yeah. 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 She, yeah it's, it's, she's awesome. And, and she was right. I mean, you know, like, and what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Like my wife and I personally in a really good financial situation. My wife has a really good job and it's like, okay, if it doesn't work out, I'll just go get another job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. It, but, but it's worked out. We haven't missed any bills and we've been living fine. So everything's working out just fine. So. Absolutely. So if you're listening and you're scared and you're in a good financial position, just fucking quit. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe get rid of some debt and stuff. First. Yeah. yeah that, no, 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 no. The caveat I, was I know, I know. I'm just, I know. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> um, okay. Tell readers where they can find out more about you, your books, and your podcasts. Well, I think for your, I think for this audience being uh, writers, I think that the best place to send them is uh, just to thecareerauthor.com. That's where you can get information on the podcast. You can also find the podcast wherever you're listening to this one right now. It'll be on there. Um, but we have stuff on it. We have our podcast over there. We have our all the information on our events. Um, you know, we're where they sell out quick and there's a mailing list you can get on there. We're going to be announcing our next, I know this sounds crazy, but we're going to be announcing our 2021 events in May of 2020 at the career author summit. Um, There's obviously a lot of logistics and stuff that go into them, um, especially with some of the stuff that we're thinking about. Um, So, uh, you know, we have to, we announce them kind of far out. So anyways, there's a, you can get on a wait list over there and you'll get information as we put them out or, listen to our podcast we'll put it out but um and then we have books and stuff we have a uh, um uh, our big nonfiction thing we're working on is we have a book coming out probably early next year maybe this year we're not really sure yet but uh called the three-story method and this is the process that jay and i use it basically will take you from idea all the way up to getting you ready to draft your book um so it's kind of our proven process that we've used on between the two of us over like 20 books now that we've published um, so we'll have that coming out and there's, there's a three story method tab up at the top. We're really excited about that though. And, and we're going to have some courses and some kind of live events and stuff planned around that too. So, um, people who have been through it already and come to our other events and experience are loving it. So we're really excited to get that book out there. Uh, but that's the best place. If you are, if you like post-apocalyptic sci-fi and you're interested in any fiction stuff, um, you can go to multiluniversemedia.com. That's probably the best place. And that has all the books. That's our publishing company. So that has all my books and Jay's books. And uh, 
we are currently working with 10 other authors to publish them. So uh, we'll have some other stuff coming out from other authors really soon. So. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you to everybody um, supporting on Patreon. If you would like to get early access to all of the episodes, you can do so by going to www.patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. Thank you to everybody listening. Thank you to Zach. Uh, I'm Sasha Black. You were listening to Zach Bohannon and this was the Rebel Author Podcast. So just a reminder that this week's question is, what one thing will you do now you've listened to this podcast to help your financial health? Next week's episode, and yes, I'm going to try to make it next week, will be with Angela Ackerman. I cannot wait for next week's episode. Angela has been a mentor from afar um, in the craft. Obviously, she must be a mentor to most of you guys out there. She, Her books, along with Becca Puglisi, um, are absolutely amazing. If you haven't got a copy of The Emotion Thesaurus, you need to stop whatever you're doing and go out and get a copy. Don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher. And when you have a moment, please leave a review.